Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and greetings to each and every one of you in the name of our risen, redeeming, and returning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. I greet you this Thursday morning with Jesus' joy, and I'm certainly grateful and thankful to have this opportunity to connect with you for yet another walk through the Word of God. Of course, as the Word of God teaches us, this is the day that the Lord hath made. And of course, we are rejoicing and we are glad in the blessing of the day. Certainly grateful and thankful to have this opportunity and this privilege to connect with you for our New Testament Word Walk this Thursday. And I pray and trust by now you have your handout, you have uh, the information, you've got your Bible, you've got your note-taking material, and you are ready to dive into uh, today's experience of the Word of God. Um, we've got a very powerful lesson today, um, a lot of insight. There's a lot of nuggets um, in today's lesson as we continue in our study of the book of Colossians under the theme, Developing Kingdom People. Uh, last week, we dealt with the preeminence of Christ. We dealt with our priorities as believers. And so in today's lesson, we're diving in a little bit deeper, uh, looking at this concept and gaining some understanding as well as some knowledge of who we are and who God wants us to be uh, as kingdom people. But of course, as always, before we begin, we take a moment to pray, ask God's blessings, ask God's guidance, and above all, seek his power as we walk through the word together. If you would, bow your heads with us now. Let's pray together. Most holy and all wise God, we come before you now telling you thank you for this day, God. Thank you for a day we've never seen before. And as it passes into history, it's a day we'll never see again. This morning, God, as I come before you people with your word, I realize, God, that I have studied, but only you know what your people need to hear in this last and evil day. So right now, God, I yield my will to your will. Speak to me, speak through me. Let your word come to life to me that I might bring it to life to your people. God, I say thank you in advance for knowing already that even though the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, your word will stand forever. Stand up in us now, O oh God, and as you will, we'll be found giving you the praise, the glory, and all of the honor. This is my prayer. I offer it now in the name of he who was, he who is, and he who is to come, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, we pray and we praise. Amen and amen. Well, beloveds, last week we began looking at the first few verses of chapter two, and uh, I want to begin there just to sort of set the stage for where we are about to dive into. Um, Paul last week dealt with the fact that there was a great conflict. That's where we left off uh, with, with the Colossian church. Um, and the conflict is basically what we're going to talk about today. Um, the conflict that Paul has for them was basically that there was a level of spiritual warfare that they had to fight that they had never fought before. They were encountering people among the church who were taking um, other principles, other truths, um, and even taking the word of God and twisting it um, to make it say what they wanted to say. And the challenge for the Colossian church was it went against what Paul and others had taught them. Remember, we uh, understand that the Colossian church is a church that Paul did not start. 
but it was a church that he wrote to. We talked about that last week, a week before last now, and um, also during our study of the letter to Philemon, um, understanding that the Colossian church was the church that met in Philemon's home, uh, but it was a church that Paul did not start. Um, Paul basically shared his concern with them and his primary concern, his primary prayer for them. We looked at that last week um, in verses two, three, and four, where Paul talked about that he wanted to make sure that their hearts remained encouraged, that they stayed knit together in love, and they always hung close to the gospel, the knowledge of the mystery of God that they didn't lose sight of what they had been taught in spite of everything else that was being shared among them. And I find that sort of powerful for us today um, as we dive into chapter two, because a lot of the heresy that Paul is trying to confront and really refute before the Colossian church are some of the same issues that we're facing today um, as the as kingdom people, as people of faith, of people of Christ, striving every day to be Christ-like or Christian. Um, It's a challenge. Romans 7 said that when we would do good, evil is always present. And we have to find strength through the word, the will, and the way of God to overcome the temptations of evil that are set before us, which is really exactly where we're going to dive in today as we take a look at uh, Colossians chapter two, beginning at verse four uh, through verse 23. Uh, May not get the entire chapter today, and if not, that's okay. Uh, But I do wanna make sure that we spend some time walking through uh, the word of God. If you have the handout, you already know we have entitled today's lesson simply, Some Things Are Just Necessary in our walk as believers, in our development as believers, in our striving to be more like Christ and less like the world, some things are just necessary. Some things just have to be done. Some things just have to be carried out. And so we're going to see that as we look at the word of God today in Colossians chapter two, Uh, verses four through 23. If you have the handout, basically there are just two basic points uh, from today's lesson that I really want to drive. But I want to really spend time with both of these points, particularly verses eight through 23, um, as we will talk a little bit about the Colossian heresy the teachings that were bringing that were being brought up before the Colossian church that they had to struggle between what they were taught by uh, the pastor and the teachers of the Colossian church what they had received in writing from Paul and then equally compared to what was being brought up to them from worldly influences worldly forces So let's begin this morning uh, by looking at um, Colossians chapter two, verses four through seven. I'm going to break it down and just take little chunks at a time, but let's begin there. Um, Colossians chapter two, verses four through seven. Let's let's read those verses and let's talk about those uh, for just a moment or two. Colossians chapter two, verses four through seven. English Standard Version renders that passage. 
I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, now those who told the Colossian church that, that they had to find wisdom and knowledge apart from Christ were some of the ones that Paul really had to deal with right now. All right. They, this is what Paul was dealing with. So Paul says, basically, lest anybody deceive you or delude you. Deceive, delude means the same thing with plausible arguments. Um, New King James Version uses with uh, persuasive words. Paul said, look, what you need to do is make sure that you don't allow anybody to deceive you. Paul, Paul said, Paul didn't say that they had already been deceived. He clearly saw a danger and forewarned them. And that's what we must do, beloveds, as, as, as people of God. We must be able to see um, things that are not right. We got to ask God to give us the strength and the ability to discern. The ability to discern, excuse me and be able to really see deception before it gets there. All right. Because in really, in a real sense, deceiver deceivers are just deceivers. They won't announce their false doctrine as false doctrine, but they will twist just enough truth and will add just enough truth to in it to make it convincing. We've been talking about that with Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. That's exactly what the serpent did. The serpent put just enough truth in when in his conversation with Eve to make it believable. But kingdom people, as we develop to be more like Christ and develop to build the kingdom for the glory of God, we've got to make sure that we are strong enough to know the truth from error, which really brings me to the first point of today's lesson. The first point of today's lesson is simply this, beloved. We've got to be able to confront the concerns. We got to be able to confront the concerns as kingdom people, as kingdom believers, as, as people who walk by faith and not by sight, as people who are striving every day to bring glory to God, not only in their life, but also in their living. Paul teaches me here that we must first confront the concern. And how does he confront it? He confronts it in verse four with a warning. He says, look, I want to make sure that, uh, that lest someone deceives you with persuasive words. He says in verse five, I need to make sure that you remain steadfast in your faith. That's, 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 that's the, the reality of it. Point a under number one, man should not, man cannot be deceived by false teaching. I want to say that again, man should not, man cannot true kingdom. People should not be captivated by false teaching. 
we should have a knowledge of the word of God. We should have a strong prayer life to automatically know when something, something just ain't right. Amen. We, we cannot be deceived by false teaching. So how do we do it? Well, according to verses five, six, and seven, there are seven things, several things rather, that Paul says that we should do. The first thing he says, letter B under our handout, is man must be steadfast in his faith. Yeah, it's right there in verse five. We gotta be steadfast in our faith. We must operate in good order. We, we must see that we are under attack. And when we are under attack, we got to continue to fight the good fight of faith. We must continue to be found serving God to the best of our ability. We must continue not to let the deception and the trickery of others cause us to lose sight of our call and our commission in Christ. We must be steadfast in our faith. First uh, 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 Corinthians chapter 15 closes telling us that be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. We must be steadfast. Okay. He, he did not see that the Colossian church was giving in to the heresy. He's basically warning them it's out there and you've got to be able to see it coming before it gets there. Can I stop right there and just say this to us today to make sure that even in 2023 as kingdom people, as people living the kingdom, we have to be always aware that there are things out here desiring to pull us away from our faith. There are things out there that are trying to pull us away from our service. There are things out there that are trying to pull us away from what we know is right. And we have to stay so focused on it that when we walk in the pathway of duty and we are serving God, we are serving him with commitment, with faithfulness, with dedication. We're not letting folks pull us away. I'm not staying home because of what somebody else said. I don't stay away from the church because of what somebody else said. I don't stop supporting ministry because of what somebody else said. In other words, here's what Paul is saying. You better learn how to be strong enough and be steadfast in your faith enough to be led by your own mind. I want to say that again. Let's be strong enough in our faith that we are led by our own minds. Don't let anybody pull you away from what God is telling you to do. Don't let anybody stop you from doing what God has told you to do. Whatever he tells you to do, that's what you should be found doing. Amen, somebody. We, we, we got to be willing to be always focused, always faithful, always abounding, you know, even even I'm even though you might not agree with it, it should not stop me because I'm working out. Here's the word of God, my own soul salvation with fear and with trembling. So so man, man cannot be deceived by false teaching. 
Man can must be rather steadfast in his faith. Here's the next one, letter C of the handout. Man must not only be steadfast in his faith, I just talked about this, man must also be strong in his faith. Mm-hmm. See, see, you can't perfect anything unless you are willing to put in the work. You've got to put in the work. The, the Christian life is work. Striving to be more like Christ, that's work. It's not an overnight sensation. It doesn't happen quickly. Every day of our lives, we ought to be working. We ought to be striving to be better. We ought to be striving to be more like Christ. That's what he's saying in, in verses six and seven, where he gets there and he says to them, listen, listen, if you have received Christ, you got to walk in him. You got to walk in him, which leads me to the next point of the lesson. Man must also walk right. Here's the concern. The concern was there to warn the Colossians. And it's my assignment this morning to warn us that we must always be mindful that there are things, there are people, there are circumstances, there are situations that are designed to attack your faith. They are designed to test your faith. It's testing your character. You can't give in under the pressure. So how do we do it? How do we stay strong? How do we stay steadfast? How are we kept from the deception of false teaching? Well, look at what he says in verse six. He says in verse six that we should walk in God. Verse seven, rooted and built up in him. We got to be rooted in Christ. We have to be built up in Christ. We have to be established in our faith just as we were taught. And we have to be abounding in our thanksgiving. Do y'all do y'all see what he's saying? In other words, we walk, we're rooted, and we are built up. There, there, there is a very simple message that Paul is trying to tell them. Paul is trying to tell them in their development for the kingdom to be more like the kingdom. You must stand firm and you must keep going and you must keep growing. Don't get comfortable with where you are, because when you get comfortable with where you are, watch this revelation. You're going to miss out on where God's trying to take you. You, you, you must be built up. Mm hmm must be built up. We must be rooted. Rooted simply means that we got to have the proper foundation. Mm-hmm. And then we must be built up. That means that there must be proper construction. Again, this walk is a process. And if I were to confront the concerns for just a moment for us in 2023, I think a lot of times we got to always remember that I'm a little stronger or should be a little stronger today than I was yesterday. There ought to be a little more faith in me on the 26th of October than there was on the 25th. And get this, if the Lord blesses me to be the, see the 27th, there ought to be a little more. Every day of my life, y'all, I'm supposed to be getting stronger. 
just as I'm a recipient of new mercies every day, according to Lamentations chapter three, guess what? I have to also be found walking in that mercy, walking in that grace. Every day of my life, I wanna know more. God, I need you to show me more. God, I need to learn more. I need to really see where you are trying to take me. Which leads us right into the whole point, the whole point rather, of Paul warning the Colossian church. In verses eight through 23, Paul confronts the actual concern, but he confronts it by issuing some warnings to the church. He issues four warnings to the church, and these four warnings make up what we know as the Colossian heresy. What was the Colossian heresy? What was the issue with the Colossian heresy? Here was the issue. The issue was that there were several religious systems, several religious orders. There was Jewish legalism. There was Greek asceticism. There was Oriental mysticism. Um, basically, I'm going to simplify each one of them in just a moment, but I want to make sure that you understand what was taking place. You had different uh, uh, cultures and different teachings coming in and they were claiming, according to verses three through 10, to be the teaching of Christ. And it actually was the exact opposite of the teaching of Christ. So now here, Paul has wrapped up his talk on Christ's preeminence and he's dealt with that and let them know that he is superior. Christ is superior over everyone and everything else. So now Paul is basically saying that rather than listening to the false teachers who had infiltrated the congregation, the Colossians had to continue to walk in the faith that they had been taught. And he does this by exposing, if you will, the problems. There are four of them. One, philosophy. Two, tradition. Three, false worship. And four, false control. So we're gonna take a look at them. We're gonna take a look at each one of them. Let's, let's begin now by looking at the first one. The first one is found in Colossians chapter two, verses eight through 10. Let's, let's look at just that much. And then we're gonna talk about what that first warning had to entail. Colossians chapter two, verses eight, nine, and 10. The word of God says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Now, now, now Paul, Paul is pretty much straightforward in these verses. He's, he's very straightforward. Look at it there in verse eight. He says, look, I need to make sure that nobody takes you, takes your mind, takes your thought process captive through what? Philosophy, philosophy. In other words, he's basically saying, look, don't let anybody cheat you. Don't let anybody cause you to miss out. 
Don't let anybody cause you to lose sight of what Christ has placed in you through their philosophy. Good God Almighty. Their philosophy. They, 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 they're, they're in that in Colossians time. Let me, let me sort of clarify. In Colossians time, they dealt with a lot of Greek philosophers. The Greek had a lot to do with philosophy that threatened the Christian teaching because basically Greek philosophy, watch this, gave them what is known as a license to sin. It, It was basically this thing of trying to look high and act high, and then you're not even living high. Does that make sense to you? I mean, is it making sense that really the problem here that Paul says that this philosophy and this empty deceit causes is the source of this philosophy? See, he said that it comes from human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world. New King James Version says the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the word. In other words, it comes from a different place other than the place from where the church had been taught. So Paul is basically telling them, look, you've got to be warned that there is some 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 false philosophy. Letter A under the handout. There is a warning against false philosophy. And where does it come from? Where does it come from? It comes from two places, according to Paul. Paul says that, first of all, it comes from worldly traditions. It is basically caught up in what they had done. Mm -hmm. See, the problem with tradition was tradition did not often align itself with the word of God. And I'm going to make it live because the church is guilty of that even in today's day and time. We align ourselves with what we are used to doing. The church has fallen prey to traditionalism and not the word of God. We do things in church because we've carried them down from generation to generation. The sad part about it is that carrying it down from generation to generation, it contradicts and it violates what God said. Amen. So Paul said, look, don't get caught up in worldly traditions that you lose sight of what God is saying. Don't get caught up in in things that have been done that you lose sight of what God is saying. Not only worldly traditions, but Paul says, number two, you got to be careful about worldly teaching. Look at it there again in, in, in verse number eight. He says, look, don't let them take you captive. Don't let them get you caught up in tradition and into the elemental or elementary, the basic things of the world, and you lose sight of Christ. Why? In verse nine, look at what he says in verse nine. He says in verse nine, for in him, in Christ, not in tradition, not in worldly teachings, not in man's philosophy, in Christ. What? In Christ, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And look at this. And you got it in you. 
That's one of the reasons why they had to stand in their faith. And that's one of the reasons why Paul had to warn them. And as kingdom people, that's why it is equally important that we warn one another and we look out for one another. Why? Third thing, only in Christ are we made complete. It's right there in verse nine and 10. In Christ, we have the fullness of the body. In Christ, we are complete and our connections to Christ shows us and shows others that philosophy and traditions are not necessary. Paul here is declaring that in Christ, there dwells a fullness of the absolute Godhead. And that fullness is in us, which went against the false teaching. It went against the false teaching. The false teaching basically said that this was wrong. Let me give you an example of it. Turn with me real quick to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And let's look real quick at verses uh, 1, 2, and 3. 1 John chapter 4. Here it is, y'all. Here it is. Classic words. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. All right. And this is one of those where we, we have sort of twisted it and taken it slightly out of context. First John four and one is the foundational piece where we get our old fashioned saying, try the spirit by the spirit. That's not what the word of God says. He says that you ought to test the spirit to see if it is from God. Don't believe every spirit. And then he goes so far in verse two and three to show you how to test it. By this, you know the spirit of God. He makes it clear. Every spirit that, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Verse three, y'all. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. I'm going to make it live today. You must be also careful about people who've got a form of godliness. Be careful of churches who have a form of godliness, but they don't confess Christ in their life, their actions, their word, their walk, or their witness. Teach JT Worthy. We must understand, and I'm just going to put it out there, just because it's a big crowd don't mean Christ is there. Remember, it was a crowd that followed him that said, Hosanna one week and crucify him the next. Only in Christ are we made complete. And how are we doing that? Paul said, look, don't get caught up in worldly teachings. And I'm going to add something to it that you might want to write down. Don't allow worldly traditions to water down the message. Don't allow worldly teaching to water down the way. There is a way, the Bible says, that seemeth right to a man, but the ends thereof 
are the ways of death. Only in Christ, only in Christ are we made complete. Letter, letter A under point number two, there is the warning against false philosophy. But then let's look now at verses 11 through 17, because in verses 11 through 17, we find the second warning, which is the warning of false ceremony. Colossians chapter two, verses 11 through 17. Look, let's look at what the word of God has to say to us there. It says in him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, and you who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us, thank you, Lord, all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, my God, nailing it to a cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow. These things are a shadow of things to come. Mm, but the substance belongs to Christ. My God, my God. Paul, Paul here now basically is telling them, look, 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 you were circumcised, all right, in him. All right, now historically, most of the Colossian Christians were Gentiles. They were non-Jews who had never been circumcised, physically circumcised. So Paul basically takes it from the natural to the spiritual, which in my mind, and this shares with me, that it is more important. The spiritual is more important than the, the, the physical which really sort of leads into that second point. That second point basically is the warning against false ceremony. False ceremony. There are three things here that Paul is basically uh, encountering and tackling and teaching against, all right? The first thing that he teaches against here is making sure that they understand that spiritual circumcision only comes through Christ. See, the Colossian church had a lot of wrong ideas about Jesus based on the heresies that had been taught. And can I tell you, this is one of the biggest setbacks to developing kingdom people. 
There are a whole lot of philosophies. There are a whole lot of false teachings. There's a whole lot of scripture being taken out of context. There's a whole lot of twisting of the Bible to make it say what we want it to say instead of what God meant for it to say. And because of that, people are now withdrawing from church, from Christian fellowship. See, see, the thing about it is if you study your Bible, you will come to understand that some of this staunch stuff shirt, stuff collared, pompous, prideful, arrogant stuff that we call church goes totally against what Jesus taught the church was supposed to be like. Never in my life have I seen so much judgmental spirits in the church. Never in my life have I seen people pass judgment in the church. I mean, just just flat out. Never have I seen so many cliques in church. None of that is in scripture. You know, there, there are socioeconomic classism in church in 2023. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we have, I recently had someone say to me, you know, pastor, the demographics of St. James Church has changed so much under your leadership. And I started to take it as an offense, but then I began to think about that thing. God is beginning to make some shifts. God is beginning to adjust. The word of God is being preached and taught and people are being receptive to it. It's not about who you are. It's not about how much money you got. It's not about who your granddaddy or who your great granddaddy was. It's about who Christ is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when Paul talks about the circumcision, he says that the circumcision that was done was not of hand. Uh uh, it had nothing to do with natural circumcision. He said that circumcision comes when the body of sin of the flesh is cut off. When you make it up in your mind that your desire is to be more like Christ and to please Christ and not be so focused on what people think and what people say about you, when your desire is to put off the old man and strive every day for newness, when your desire, going back to Sunday's message, is to receive the favor of God after your failure, that's when you are circumcised. And Paul said that it's by the circumcision of Christ buried in with him in baptism. Basically, Christians don't need to be circumcised. They need to be baptized. There needs to be a washing away of the old. There needs to be a cutting off of the old. There needs to be a desire for the new. There needs to be a new attitude. There needs to be a new perspective. There needs to be a new walk. There needs to be a new witness. That's what the word of God says. If any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. The old things, help me somebody, have passed away. And behold, all things, all things, all things have become brand new. So Paul made sure that they understood that, that this, basically this baptism was a means of a new life. Point number two under letter B, spiritual death ends 
with new life in Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised through him, through faith in the working of God. Mm-hmm. Baptism has nothing to do with circumcision, but Paul says baptism is an outward illustration of what Christ does to us on the inside. We were buried underwater, Lord have mercy. And when we are raised up out of the water, we come out brand new. You know, if you got dirty clothes, they go into the washing machine dirty. But if they go in and the washing machine has done what it's supposed to do, those dirty clothes don't go, don't come out the same way they came in. And kingdom people should always live with the mindset and with the awareness that I should not be the same thing after Christ as I was before Christ. Now, let me stop right here because I hear some of y'all already saying, well, pastor, we're not perfect. No, you are not perfect, but you are striving for perfection. You're striving to make things new. You're striving to start all over again. How will we do this? Verse 13 said that we are dead in our trespasses. Y'all see it there? Verse 13, you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, but God made alive together with him having done what? Forgiven us of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. In other words, as the O'Neill twins used to sing back in the eighties, Jesus dropped the charges. And not only did he drop the charges, he expunged your record. Good God Almighty, I declare that'll preach. Jesus not only dropped the charges, but he expunged your record. He took that, that sin debt, those charges of sin, those charges of wrongdoing, those charges that went against what Christ stood for and who Christ was. And when you accepted Jesus Christ and acknowledged him as Lord and Savior of your life, all of that is done away with. Not only does spiritual death end with new life in Christ, but spiritual death also realigns our life with Christ. We are not only made alive, but Paul said we are made alive together with him. See, before you have new life in Christ, you are dead in trespasses. Anything that separates you from the word, will, and way of God is a sin or a trespass. But God says, look, I've wiped all of that out. Mm-hmm. I wiped all of that out. I sure did. Look, look, it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. Verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, good God, thank you, Jesus. Let nobody pass judgments on you in questions of food and drink or how you live your life or how you enjoy your walk with God. No, don't don't even get caught up in that. That's what he's saying. No, he disarmed principalities and powers. 
He, he, he moved all of that out of our way. The greatest powers of the world that sought to control us because we didn't want to do what they wanted us to do. Christ has gotten rid of all of that. And how did he do it? According to verse uh, uh, 14, he nailed it to the tree. He nailed it to the cross. And so based upon that, he says, look, so let no one judge you. A life that is centered on Christ and what he did on the cross, man will not understand. A life centered on Christ and what he did on the cross, the world will not understand. So if the world will not understand, we cannot let the world judge us because of it. In other words, look, look, some things that were under the Old Testament law that people still try to hold against us and over our heads, mm-mm, all of that's gone. According to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, everything that God makes is good. Every day belongs to God. All right? In so many words, Christians ought to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. Hear what I'm about to say and be free from the judgment and the criticism of the world. Can I say that one more time? And that might be a good place for me to stop today. People of God, if you know who you are and you know whose you are and you know who you belong to, don't let what people think about you and what people say about you cause you to miss out on being all that God wants you to be. You have got to be willing to serve God, live for God, live a holy life that brings glory to God and not be concerned about what people say. Stop, stop letting people's opinions rob you of your joy. Can I talk to somebody in my closing moments? Stop letting critical church folk, let me say it, stop letting critical church folk rob you of your peace and your happiness in life and living. Just because they are bitter doesn't allow them to make you feel bad because you choose to live happy, because you choose to live in peace and not in pieces. Learn how to govern your life according to the word of God and leave those folks in the hands of the God you serve. Mm-hmm. Take it to heart when you say this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad. See, we, we have taken certain verses and, and we've made them so cliche-ish that we really miss out on the message. God made the day, not man. And if God made the day, why am I going to allow people to affect my day? No, 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 no. I'm not going to let what you think and how you feel. I'm not going to let your bitterness affect my joy. No, you, if you want some, you better come get some. But as for me and my house, amen. That's what Joshua said. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live for him. Why? God has been faithful. You know, if, if you've if you've had a chance to take a look at this Sunday Sunday school lesson, that's the whole point of this Sunday Sunday school lesson. 
Joshua said, look, God has been faithful to me. God has been good to me. God has provided for me. God has protected me. Now you think I'm going to let what you do affect what I'm doing because of what God has done? No. If it seemed evil for you, you choose this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, in light of God's goodness, in light of God's favor, in light of God's protection, in light of God's provision, I choose to serve him. And I'm going to serve him to the best of my ability. I'm going to serve him with all that I am. I'm going to serve him with all that I have. Mm-hmm. So when we start taking the word seriously and we start applying the word to our lives, when, when you hear people say, this is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. That thing says a whole lot. I'm done. That thing says a whole lot. It says, first of all, man had nothing to do with the day's creation. So the man cannot have anything to do with the day's construction. <laughs> Good God Almighty. This is the day the Lord has made. What are we going to do? I will rejoice. I will be glad. I'm going to be happy all day long. Happiness is a choice. Peace is a choice. Service is a choice. Don't allow somebody else to make that choice for you. Y'all, I'm going to stop right there. I declare, I, I, y'all forgive me for getting off on that tangent, but somebody just needed to be ministered to today. Somebody just needed to hear that today. Don't you let anything or anyone steal and kill the joy that God gives you. You better make it up in your mind. and You better start telling yourself for the rest of your life, I'm going to be happy. The late Dr. Abraham Lockhart, who pastored the Morning Star Baptist Church in Charlotte for over 40 years, used to always say that. He would always close his radio broadcast back in the day by saying, I'm going to be happy all the day long. And that's where we got to be. That's what we got to do. Beloveds, I'm going to stop right there. I'll pick it up next week. Uh, looking at the final five or six verses and then a few uh, life applications uh, from this particular chapter that we will share. But as always, if you have any questions from today's lesson from Colossians chapter two, please feel free to enter those questions in the comment section. Um, we are behind the scenes and we will be more than happy to respond to your questions as they will appear. Um, again, beloveds, I thank God for this opportunity and this privilege to share with you today. I pray that something has been shared this morning to really minister to your heart, minister to your mind. I pray that it speaks to your spirit and I pray that it builds your faith to be all that God wants and needs you to beg. Listen, it is my will, but it's gotta be the will of God. I look forward to being back with you next Thursday. Um, in the way of announcements and reminders, let me remind all members of the St. James Women's Choir. Uh, rehearsal is tonight at 630, and uh, we look forward to seeing you tonight at the church for rehearsal, and we are equally excited uh, to hear from you this Sunday for the very first time. Let's continue to pray for all of our sick, all of our shut-in, those families whose hearts are saddened in bereavement at this hour. Please continue to keep them in your thoughts and in your prayers. Don't forget, Sunday is NFL Sunday. 
be sure that you rep your favorite team this Sunday as we gather to worship and celebrate and thank God for being able to just live and enjoy life. That's, that's my closing word for you today. Simply one word, live. That's, that's all I got for you, live. And I believe that's what this lesson is showing us. Live happy, live healthy, live spiritually whole. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to share in your word with you people, God. I pray that all that has been done and said has been found pleasing to your sight and to the glory of your name. God, I only want to be found living a life that brings glory and not shame to your name. So lead me, guide me, direct me. Continue to order my steps according to your word. And God, as you will, we will be found forever giving your name the praise, the glory, and all of the honor. This is our prayer. We offer it now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. So glad to have had this time to share God's word with you. Look forward to being back with you next Thursday to continue our walk through the word of God. Until then, be blessed, be safe, and know as always, beloved, we love you all.